What Not the Podcast, Lent Up Early Edition. I'm Pastor Brian Wolfmuller. Thanks for being uh, along for the for the ride today. A little reflection on meditation, Psalm 1, Psalm 19. And then a question about baptism. What do we do with someone who is baptized, but they left their baptism? How do we think about those who have abandoned baptism in regards to evangelism? Great question. Today is, by the way, March the 18th, year of our Lord, 2000. 22. Hope you have a wonderful day. Here's a podcast. Let's get to it. Here's a meditation on meditation. I'm thinking here about Psalm 1 and the last verse of Psalm 19, just looking at this morning. I noticed a few days ago or months ago, I noticed some time ago that the parallel in Psalm 1 verses 1 and 2, uh, kind of pulls you up a little bit short because it first talks about what the wicked is doing and it talks about his walking, standing, and sitting. Those are very, well, they're connected to location, but they're also very physical. You're standing somewhere, you're walking somewhere, you're sitting somewhere. But then when it talks about the blessed man, which comes next, it doesn't talk about where he walks or stands or sits but it talks about his delight and his meditation. It talks about his inner life. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. So no no matter where he's walking or standing or sitting, there's something else that's going on inside of him, inside of us, inside our own hearts and our own minds. This, This daily rejoicing and delighting and meditating on the Lord's word. It's kind of amazing. I mean, it's a bit of a surprise, and it's not what I was thinking about. Well, then, in Psalm 119, which is a the second of the three Torah psalms, the three word psalms, so Psalm 1, Psalm 19, and Psalm 119, convenient. Uh, Psalm 19 ends with a prayer about our meditation. Surprise me, but here's the structure. It, it starts with the preaching of the heavens and the stars, verses 1 to 6, and then this great list of all the things that the Lord's word is, verses 7 to, to 10. The law of the Lord is perfect. The testimony of the Lord is sure, etc. Verse 12 is the Sadies for the forgiveness for unknown sins. Declare me innocent from hidden faults. But then, this prayer at the very end, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. That rock is a callback to Psalm 18. That was a theme of the previous psalm. Now, so the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. This is a prayer for sanctified thought, for sanctified meditation, that even the things that are going on in our mind would bring joy and delight to the Lord. So that this concern with what's happening, hmm, what's happening on the inside is a great concern of the psalmist. Now, Let's contrast that to how most people think spiritually, because we know our Lutheran tradition speaks so much about the external 
word, externum verbum, which is right. So the Lord, the Lord's word starts outside of us and it works its way inside. Most people flip the order and they put the priority on the inside stuff, which shapes the outside stuff. The, the Bible is interested in both, but the Lord's word, which starts outside of us, which is heard, now gives shape to what's going on inside. And especially it becomes the thing that we delight in and the thing that we meditate on. Now, what does that meditation look like? Well, probably what we're doing now. And thinking and talking and considering and making connections and noticing and, and hearing over and over the Lord's word all throughout the day. So uh, where we're walking, where we're sitting, where we're standing, not with the wicked. But what are we doing? We are delighting and meditating. And that is the blessed life. God be praised. Timothy has a question about baptism and evangelism, especially those who have been baptized and wandered from the church. He notes that he's listening to the 1517 Thinking Fellows podcast, uh, and he's come to this conclusion. I, I appreciate those guys on the Thinking Fellows that they are wrestling against what our Lutheran doctrine confesses against over and against evangelicalism. It's really good for California where, uh, where that's broiling. Anyhow, um, come to, I've come to the conclusion about baptism and praying for family, friends, acquaintances, and people in general. Please tell me if I'm off base with a conclusion. Here it is. Since God has made a promise at baptism, and if someone has been baptized, is it not proper that we ask for God to keep his promise he made to those for whom we are praying? If so, then I must be ready to uphold the injunction to make disciples when God upholds his promise. If this is the case, what might be a good way to ask someone if they have been baptized? The way I view this is a soldier who has a secret advantage in the war against Satan, the world, and our sinful flesh, that we're not using baptism to the advantage of the person who may have... Um, that we are not using baptism to the advantage of the person who may have an unsettled conscience and is not in communion with the local church. Well, it is to their own advantage. Uh, they might not want that advantage. Well, so it's a great point. The, uh, that baptism remains true even when we um, want nothing to do with baptism is true. I always go for that to Romans 3 verse 4. Let God be true and every man a liar. So the promise the Lord gives in baptism is a true promise. It's a true gift. It's a true adopting. It's a true being buried with Christ. It's a true giving of the new man in the spirit. And yet we know that there are many who have wandered from the faith, made shipwreck of their faith, but they have not destroyed their baptism. Uh, the idea that baptism can be destroyed is a old idea, both in the Catholic Church. Thomas Aquinas talks about penance being the plank that we cling to when baptism is shipwrecked. Oof, that's a terrible picture. I got in a big fight about that with uh, the priests that used to come drink martinis when I was waiting tables at the seminary. I'll tell you guys that story sometime. That's pretty funny. It's also the kind of the Protestant idea that you have to be rebaptized if if you fall away from the faith. 
so that most evangelicals, or most Baptists at least, have been baptized multiple times. You all can tell stories about that. My own wife, Carrie, was baptized twice. I think twice. My mom, I think, was baptized three times. So the idea, the okay, so the idea, let's contrast this, is that um, either our faith is built on our baptism or our baptism is built on our faith. What's the foundation upon which the house is built? And so the let's just take the Baptists, for example. They understand that baptism is a first act of obedience, that you first confess your faith, accept Jesus, an act of the will to accept him as your Lord and Savior, and then you're baptized. And if you leave the faith, or I mean, they might say, show that you were never truly part of the faith, then you have to go and be baptized again because the first baptism didn't count. Now, we understand very differently that baptism is the foundation of God's own work, and the house of faith is built on baptism. It could be that the hurricane of trouble could could come and just knock over the house, but the foundation stands. This, the promise of baptism stands. Now, does that mean that everybody who was baptized will be in heaven and eternal life? No. It's possible to remain in exile from the promise, in active rejection of the promise. But the person that has been baptized, and this is to Timothy's point here in the question, the person who has been baptized is rejecting not just the general promise of the gospel preached, but the specific promise of the gospel delivered to them in baptism. And so to pray that the Lord would keep that promise for them and that the Lord would give them faith in that specific promise is the prayer that we ought to be praying. Uh, now, how to ask someone if they've been baptized. Uh, I don't know any sort of special strategy, but in general, maybe it's because I'm a pastor, that is an easy question. It's easier to ask, were you baptized when you were a kid? Versus, do you believe in Jesus? Because that baptism is something that happened to us rather than kind of delving into the state of the heart. And so that's a nice question to ask. Have you been baptized? Were you baptized as a kid? Did your parents take you to church as a kid? Do you know if you're baptized? And then to say, you know what the Lord does in baptism? Even if you don't know it, the Lord calls you and claims you. And to, and to, to assert and to rejoice in the reality of these works of God is really quite wonderful. To recognize that they're unescapable and unavoidable. The Lord works, and he works on us. And these things are true, not because we believe them. They're true long before we believe them. And that's especially true of the promise of our baptism. Let God be true. Every man can be a liar. That doesn't destroy his truth. So you're on to something, Timothy. Great question. Uh, really wonderful. God be praised for the gift of baptism. We did get that interview with Dr. Schultz in yesterday. We put it here on the podcast, so it should be right below or next to or around this particular episode. Hope you enjoy that conversation. We talked about a bunch of stuff, but I, I, he blew my mind with the idea that the will was introduced into the Western conversation with St. Augustine. I'm still trying to wrap my head around that. And, um, and this reflection on Psalm 2 really helped connect some dots to me too. Why the devil is fighting so ferociously against the word and against babies 
And it's Psalm 2 where it's, the Lord says, you are my son, today I have begotten you, that the word and the, the sonship and the begottenness of the son from the father is all there broiling with the devil's envy. That was phenomenal. Anyway, great conversation. Good to catch up with him. Uh, I'm sure he appreciates your prayers. It, you know, it's great to know he's doing well and to have that teaching. He's trying to figure out how to, well, how to move his philosophy classes online. If you got ideas, let me know. Keep the questions coming. I received one question in the voicemail yesterday. Thank you for that. But it was all garbled. So if that was you, if you could leave it again, that'd be great. Uh, otherwise, you can go to the wolfmuller.co and hit the audio, what not the podcast, and there's a button there to send a message. And you can do that, or you could type a question at wolfmuller.co slash contact. That gets to me as well. As soon as I stop recording, I'm going to try to send out the Wednesday whatnot, the Friday whatnot this week. So uh, that should be arriving uh, sometime soon as well. So hope you enjoy that, and uh, keep in touch. God's peace be with you.